0: Welcome to NCBR's Elite Agent Podcast, the ultimate resource for real estate professionals looking to elevate their skills, master their craft, and achieve unparalleled success in this incredible industry. Welcome to NCBR's Elite Agent Podcast, your ultimate resource for building your business in the real estate industry. I'm so excited to be here today with Chris McNally of Sayre, Regan & Thayer, an attorney office here in Newport, Rhode Island. And today, Chris is going to talk with us about maritime, coastal, CRMC issues as we help our clients buy and sell real estate. So Chris, thank you so much for being here with me today.
1: Oh, good morning. Really happy to be here. Uh, interesting topic, and uh, I think there'll be lots to talk about.
0: Great. Okay, so let's get started. I just have a couple of questions that I want to ask you today. So, first of all, let's start with this. So, what is the process for purchasing or selling coastal or maritime property?
1: Okay. Yeah the the process for buying a coastal property not really terribly different from buying any property uh, and, and understanding what and where you're looking to buy is really essential. Um, there are a couple of added elements that you might have to deal with other than or that would be different from buying a non-coastal property because there are certain agencies that have jurisdiction over properties that are near rivers or the coast.
0: Okay, great. And so that sounds like there's probably some due diligence that needs to be done in there when, when we are helping our clients with this. So what are those due diligence factors that we need to take into consideration when we're helping somebody buy or sell a property on the coast?
1: Right. So uh, as I mentioned, there are a couple of agencies in Rhode Island that have may or may not have jurisdiction over a coastal or riverine property. And those two agencies are the DEM, Department of Environmental Management, and Coastal Resources Management Council, or the CRMC. Um, DEM typically has jurisdiction over any freshwater uh, wetlands or rivers that might be on a particular parcel. And the CRMC, the Coastal Resources Management Council, has jurisdiction over the coastal components, and that interestingly includes freshwater wetlands that sit within approximately 200 feet of the coast. So for a coastal property, more likely than not, we're going to have CRMC jurisdiction, and we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail in a second, but it's possible that you also have DEM issues on a coastal property, so sometimes it's both. So. We already know that we've got zoning and municipality things to consider, but with the coastal properties, we also have to think about CRMC and the DEM. CRMC's jurisdiction extends, generally speaking, 200 feet from a coastal feature. All right, and a coastal feature is typically defined, um, well, I take that back Mm -hmm. can be defined by a, a very obvious prominent feature on the property, like a bluff, um, or it may be a little bit more vague. It may be the determination of a wetland edge or something of that sort on your property. So it may not be readily apparent, just looking at a parcel where that 200 foot line ends. Um, so part of your due diligence is to try and understand where that might be, whether or not jurisdiction exists for those other agencies. Um, and it's important it's it's really a big piece of the puzzle because crmc has the ability to issue notices of violations and fines and and they can act they have power in the courts to make people take things off of their property if they're there without the appropriate permits
0: Okay, great. And yeah, I mean, I, I have dealt with the coastal properties and have had to deal a little bit with CRMC and some of those issues where I know I had one property where DEM did approve and give a building permit, they were able to get their ISDS. But then coastal came in and kind of shut it down and would not allow them to to get that assent that they, that they were seeking. And so um, we talked a little bit more in depth about CRMC. Anything else to consider as far as like the DEM goes and anything that that they might have jurisdiction over that's a little bit more involved? Well,
1: yeah, that's an interesting question. A little bit more involved... The area that I see a lot of times is properties that are not on city sewer. So, for example, properties that are on septic systems. Um, you know, the on-site wastewater treatment facilities. Those all sit within the DEM's jurisdiction. So, knowing if your property is on city water, city sewer, or well and septic, or some combination thereof, uh, is really important. And you know, certain things are more important to certain buyers. Um, some people don't want to do anything to do with a well or septic system. They are insistent on being on city, on city sewer and water. Um, again, it's just a matter of understanding the property that your client's looking at so they can understand this is for me or this is not for me. Um, so the on-site wa- wastewater treatment Products or what we typically refer to as septic's, um, there are a number of statutes and older properties, um, you know, may no longer be compliant. And there's a requirement to bring a property up to the current code within a certain period of time after the purchase. The property is purchased, so it may be perfectly happy and grandfathered in in its current configuration. But as soon as the property transfers, that triggers a requirement to potentially replace your septic system and that may not be a small cost that may be a pretty significant undertaking and it's important again for your buyer to understand that coming in and not be surprised after the fact to say hey wait a minute why do i suddenly have to do this um so from from a broker's perspective oftentimes it's about informing and educating your clients and making sure they know what they're getting into buy and they rely upon your expertise to know that um, and properly inform them Um, going back i think two steps in your question regarding CRMC issues. Um, what many people don't understand is CRMC is charged with protecting our coasts and our coastal resources managements, hence the name. Um, and they ch- have partialed up our coastline into various water types, right? There's types one through five, uh, and they range from heavy commercial, like up in the Providence River, down to completely... Uh, areas that should be completely unchanged Um, when we buy coastal property it it's beautiful it's fantastic it's highly desirable but it's a dynamic system the coastline and so weather can have a negative impact on can change your coastline it's supposed to be able to change but that puts you in conflict when you have a home very close to what might be a changing coastline um, I think people are relatively familiar with some of the properties on Block Island that have been up high on bluffs. Those bluffs are eroding, and suddenly that coastal bluff is getting extremely close to your home. And truth be told, there's really not much you can do about it. You're not allowed to build something in certain places to stop that erosion. And it's a risk, right? It's a, and it, if, if you know it going in, okay, You don't want to be caught by surprise to say, well, why can't I build a seawall here? Why can't I protect my home from this continuously approaching, eroding coast um, bluff or whatever the case might be? So, again, it's a matter of doing your due diligence, understanding where the property is, what rules may or may not apply, um, and then... If there is relief or an assent requested from CRMC or DEM, and mostly we're gonna think we'll speak about CRMC, how do you go about doing that? Um, and you know, as I said before, they, they do have the resources and the ability and the authority to issue violations, notices of violations and levy fines, uh, not to mention stop you from doing the thing that you thought you could do. Um, so there's, there's a lot to it. Um, the, the important part is to have a plan. And, you know, I speak with lots of people who are buying properties. They say, hey, I'd really like to buy this property, but I want to definitely put a pool in here. Well, that may or may not be an option, right? I mentioned before that 200 foot jurisdictional buffer. Um, and the idea there is that, yeah, you may have a coastal property, but depending on the water, well, you may or you have take that back start over apologies um you buy a coastal property you want to make a change to it however that thing that you hope to do put in a pool add a fence um put in a patio whatever the case might be if it sits within that 200 foot zone shoreward of the coastal feature you're going to definitely have to request an ascent and you may or may not get approval to do it um and so again that may be uh a deal breaker for somebody looking to buy a particular parcel. Um, that buffer zone is intended to protect our coastal resources. It's supposed to allow for natural filtration of water, prevent erosion, provide natural habitat, do all sorts of things. Um, so CRMC is usually pretty realistic about you know the, the conflict between what a property owner would like to do and what the, they're charged with doing and protecting our resources.
0: That's great. That's that's great information. And I think for us as realtors, it's important for us to remember that as we are showing properties to um, buyer clients who have these really big plans of putting in a pool or doing this on the property, Putting in a doc, those things. It's just important to remember not to make promises and to make sure that they understand that they have to go through those proper channels to make sure that they are able to do the things that they that they would like to. So use your due diligence period to be able to research a little bit more as best you can to take some of those that risk away for them. I I would guess. Um, yeah,
1: I can I can add to that if you, I can add to that if you like. Um, you, you mentioned don't make promises to the to the client and and i agree um the in in my experience the best thing to do is contact me or or another real estate uh, attorney and and ask the questions of the attorney we can pull the existing permits we can recognize what is currently permitted and compare that to what the buyer is hoping to be able to do um and and that can make all the difference we want informed buyers right we want clients to be happy, the deal to go forward, and everything to move on as it should. Um, My experience with CRMC is that, as I said before, pretty realistic, but it's much better to ask permission than beg forgiveness in this instance, Um, because if we work with the staff at CRMC, they are, as I said a couple of times already, that they're pragmatic and realistic about the push and pull between wants and, and what's allowed. Um, you mentioned docks, um, you know, what CRMC Ascent calls that a residential boating facility, which is a bit of a mouthful. It's, it's a dock. Mm-hmm. Um, but that residential boating facility, again, that's going right into our waters. And, and our waters fall definitely within Coastal Resources Management Council's uh, jurisdiction, but it also falls under the public trust. Um, and so the waters belong to everybody. Uh, in the state and beyond. And that's, that's in, our const- in our state charter. It, it's sacrosanct. But a, residential, a, a coastal property does have riparian rights, and that allows them to wharf out to navigable water. So if you have coastal property with waterfront access, then you typically, not always, typically should be permitted to put in some sort of a dock. But there's a lot that goes with that. We have to take into consideration if there's any submerged aquatic vegetation. You have to get a survey for what, uh, what the grasses might be under the water, which for most buyers aren't necessarily something that we're thinking about. It's just, oh, it's the bay, and I wanna put a dock out there. Well, you may or may not have extensive submerged aquatic vegetation. Most commonly, we're talking about eel grasses, which are really important marine habitat for the estuary that is Narragansett Bay. And so you have to have a survey done for that specifically, and then the dock has to be situated and built in such a way as to minimize the impact over those grasses. Um, and it's a, it's a real process, and it involves, you know, uh, marine engineers, biologists, um, construction specialists to to come together with a plan uh, and working with. The buyer with the attorney who's probably going to put the petition through to crmc uh, and working with the engineers who are going to do all the detailed site plans and drawings the biologists who are going to provide the the survey for what the density of the seagrasses grasses are um, so it's a pretty involved process again it's absolutely doable um, but you have to just know what you're know what you're facing before you get started
0: that's great. And, and I did have a follow-up question to that, which you did just give a little bit of insight as to what that process is for obtaining permits to construct on your property, is what, whether it's like on the land or you're doing a dock. Um, Where like, should somebody start with that? So if somebody buys a property, they want to seek out, um, to find out if they can put a dock in there, what is the first thing they should do in that permitting process? Who do they reach out to first?
1: Uh, I think pro- I guess there's a few ways you could do it. Um, but first thing I would do would be would be to contact a, a, a professional for who's going to be able to develop a site plan. Um, you have to be able to conceptualize and then represent what that plan looks to be uh, so that you're not dealing in real hypotheticals. If you'd like to put in a uh, some, uh, some small structure, y- you need somebody to design that structure and provide some drawings. CRMC is going to require detailed diagrams and design so that what you're talking about can be approved or disapproved, right? Um, and also all of that has to be recorded and made part of the land evidence record so that what is approved and what is built can be compared to what was approved. Um, working with a architect or marine engineer, depending on what you're going to do, whether it's a building or a dock or a seawall or something of the sort, is is a great place to start, followed very closely by retaining legal counsel to help you with that process. Sometimes these projects have unexpected conflicts with abutting neighbors. Um, You may run into zoning issues that you didn't necessarily contemplate, Um, and so when you're dealing with multiple agencies that have overlapping jurisdiction, your your property is going to have some sort of municipal zoning requirements and restrictions. Then you may also have CRMC issues, and you may also have DEM issues. And so navigating that potential quagmire between three different, not always well-communicated groups is really the, the province of your attorney. Um, And so it it makes a lot of sense to get us involved as early as possible. Uh, And and I'm seeing a really great trend of late where clients who are making or thinking about purchasing a property are asking these questions earlier and earlier. Um, In the long run, it's definitely the most cost-effective way to go at it um, because if you go at it the other way, you're going to end up hiring us – any way to fix something that you've already done. And there's chances are there's going to be penalties and an equitable challenge where you may have to take out what you've already put in and then rebuild what is permissible. Um, So again, doing your due diligence, asking the questions of the right people early would be my strong advice.
0: (laughs) That is great advice. Now, we can't talk about coastal properties without talking about flood insurance. And most realtors are pretty well versed, right? And we are trained to go and look to see on the FEMA map what the flood zone might be. Uh, how are those? I mean, I know that that's kind of a FEMA question, right? How the flood zones are created and what is designated to be in the flood zones. From what I know, it's about the water table. Am I am I right on that? Um, and is there anything else realtors should know other than I'm going to go look up the flood zone, and I'm going to find out a quote as to what a flood policy might cost you.
1: From a realtor's perspective, um, again, the the way I see it, you know, passing that information on to your client, your potential buyer, you're right. It's about understanding, are you in a potential flood zone? But it's important to recognize that that flood zone is an approximation, best estimate by the scientist to say, given this elevation, given what we've seen historically, um, this area is or is not subject to, to flood. What is a flood, right? A flood is, like, FEMA describes it as any sudden accumulation of, of runoff or stormwater or river or tidal waters, right? Suddenly water that is there that usually is not. Um, and importantly, Homeowner's policy, insurance policy typically does not cover that. Yes, it'll cover water damage from a burst pipe or maybe if your sewer system backs up. But if groundwater floods your basement or whatever the case might be, that's not covered under your standard homeowner's policy. And so flood insurance is essential there. Um, Having chatted with various insurance agents recently and in the past, it's a moving target. um, And... Insurance is not an easy game. It's it's a matter of understanding risk and then insuring against it. Um, And there's no one size fits all. Each parcel is unique um, and things are seeming to be changing constantly at the moment with, we're all looking at climate change, sea level rise, bigger storm amounts, more persistent rains. It's it's moving all the time and, and to be not covered would be a disaster, and if you're if you're ta- if you're non cash buyer and you're you're going to have a mortgage on your property, you're going to be required to have this flood insurance. So again, your buyer needs to know uh, what they're looking at when they're determining whether or not it's the right property for them.
0: That's great, and um and Chris, so as we as we wrap up this episode, is there are there any other considerations that Um, a buyer or seller or a realtor just need to have on their radar aside from everything that we've talked about today in, in dealing with our coastal properties and maritime properties here.
1: I would say that um, don't necessarily judge the book by its cover. Don't just because it looks like, Hey, my neighbor, the the property to my left has this and the property to, to the right of the property that I want also has that. Does that mean you can do it? No. Uh, It's possible that those things pre-existed CRMC's jurisdiction and they're grandfathered in. And we all see some of these beautiful properties with perfectly manicured lawns right up to the water's edge. That's not really realistic to do on a property that is currently vegetated. Um, CRMC's almost certainly going to say, no, you cannot clear cut this um, because we need the buffer. Um, So don't just say, well, they did it, I should be allowed to do it. Um, CRMC does monitor and look. Um, They have an enforcement arm. Uh, They're not necessarily out to get you, but they have a task which is to preserve our coastal resources and so that they do it but aerial surveillance google earth whatever the case might be if there was 200 feet of trees and shrubs and now it's uh, looks like a golf course they're going to notice and and you will get a notice of violation at some point it may not happen immediately But it will happen um and and then what ends up happening is you have to remediate you have to either allow it to regrow or you actually have to physically actively go and replant it Um, and that can come at a pretty significant cost um so just because one property has it doesn't mean the property right next to it's going to be allowed to do the same thing contact your attorney Um, realtors contact the attorneys ask us to investigate what may or may not be feasible. Um, I think it's, we have experience dealing with the with the agencies. We have connections with the agencies. We know people we can ask um, what's going on. We can, I mean, everybody can pull the permits. They're a matter of public record, but interpreting what they actually mean for a particular parcel, it it, it really should, you should chat with the attorney on it.
0: Thank you so much, Chris. This was so eye-opening, and it was really great information for realtors and information that we can pass on to our buyers and our sellers so they also understand what a buyer might be facing when purchasing their property. I want to thank you all so much for joining us today on our podcast. We really love sharing these topics with all of you. We look forward to being with you again for our next topic, and until then, be well.